What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because a year from now, you're going to wish you started today. Really important episode to share with you today. It's one that's at the intersection of where do business ideas come from and how do we make the world a better place? My guest is an award-winning middle school and high school teacher. He's also the CEO and co-founder of Start Ed Up at startedupfoundation.org which has the mission to empower students and teachers to apply innovation and entrepreneurship in the classroom. He's the author of Pure Genius, Building a Culture of Innovation and Taking 20% Time to the Next Level, and also hosts the Start Ed Up podcast. But the real reason I wanted to call up Don Wetrick today was to learn more about instilling the skills and values of entrepreneurship and innovation in kids. Because if you can teach it to kids, why can't you teach it to grownups? Stick around in this one to learn how to get both kids and grown-ups excited about this stuff, Don's rules for brainstorming, and his process for turning problems into real solutions for real customers. Notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary of our call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash kids. For years, Don taught a class called Innovation and Open Source Learning, and that's where this conversation starts. Ready? Let's do it. To be fair, it was a class that was born out of a TED Talk that I saw about, about 10 years now ago from Dan Pink. And the class was basically on find some problems, acquire some skills, what resonates with you, give them that mastery, autonomy, and purpose that you desire. Or you may have not desired it because you never thought school would be a time you could do that, but go and do something kind of thing. And so out of the class, gosh, we, we had... Everything from the media-friendly developing an app or developing a game, or we had a, a student design a solar panel that was of clear phototaic material. We had a, a student rewrite a bill <laughs> for light pollution. And then we had this simple to, I want to learn how to knit. <laughs> I want to learn how to start a club. I want to learn how to, and then do it. Right. I mean, I could give like literally we could talk for two hours on some of the products or services of the class, but I, I wanted to get across the fact that it's the inquiry, right? It's that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, the class was about making you thirsty, but then doing something with it. And I think that's, that's the heart of the matter is that if a student said, I really don't like the way our town does blank. All right. What is your solution? And we always had a rule of thirds. Number one, are you passionate about it? Number two, what skills are you going to develop while working on this? And number three, who is it going to benefit other than you? Keeping these three things in mind, then they created solutions or they created products or services. And the same thing lives on now with the competition. This may be part of the podcast later, but like I was asked to leave the classroom in a single sense and then try to provide this for the state of Indiana. So we run this pitch competition and programming called Innovate Within, which is actually a huge payout. And it's a program. It's not just a one-time pitch competition. But yeah, we've, we've seen things like this year, the top winner, this girl formed a team and her grandma would wake up several times a night with pain from arthritis in her wrist and hands. And they developed a working prototype of a glove that basically would make you your fingers essentially almost make a fist and then back to an open hand and back to a fist and then back to an open hand really really slow so it wouldn't wake you up but keep you limber also had a heating and vibration element to it oh wow but this was a working prototype they started off with a problem my grandma wakes up too much 
Now, like, this isn't like I'm going to invent an app that's going to cure world hunger, but this is like, I'm going to help my grandma. How freaking cool is that? And are there other people out there that suffer from arthritis pain? Of course there is. So they're developing solutions. We're asking our students of like, what's out there? What problems can be solved? Yeah, starting with curiosity. I like that. Dan Pink's TED Talk is is a must watch if you haven't talking about, you know, what really motivates me, the trifecta of autonomy, mastery, and purpose, working on something that you have some say of control over, that you can improve upon, that you can get better, that you can work toward mastery, and that has some outside benefit, gives you a sense of purpose. I call it being amped in your work is my way of remembering that. And this rule of thirds, this looking for problems, what skills can I apply? What skills can I learn? And who does it benefit? I think those go really well hand in hand. But talk to me about the first year of attempting this in the classroom, because I imagine if you just show up and be like, hey, you have an hour or you have two hours to do whatever you want without any guidance or constraint and just like start with curiosity. I mean, if you approach me like that, it's like, well, I don't know. I just start start doodling or I, I don't know, like start just going down the social media rabbit hole or something. But like, how do you get kids, number one, excited and then maybe give them some constraint to start this brainstorming process? So my C and D students looked at me like, this is the coolest thing ever. My A and B students looked at me like, how am I going to get an A on this? Right. And they were panicked. <laughs> and so Friday rolled around and I was like, hey, what do you want to work on? I don't know. Even my CND students, like it was fun to talk about, right? But then it was like, they were still so, it was, they were racking their brain with like, what would still seem like it's academic? And so finally, one of the breakthroughs, I had a kid that said, I'm, he was being snarky. He goes, I'm going to do a sleep study. And I knew what he was getting at. He's like, I'm going to take a nap in this class. And instead of saying, hey, you little smart aleck, I'm like, oh my gosh, you should, dude. What a great idea. I'm like, this is in the afternoon. Circadian rhythms are low. Do you need me to get you a sleep mask? Because I was also like, I, I did the broadcasting class. And we did the school news and everything else. So we had kind of like a camera room where it was quiet. I'm like, you can go back in the camera room, sleep, do some data collection. Does a 20 minute power nap really inspire you for the rest of the day? And he's like, Wetrick, I was just joking. And so the nice thing is this was in front of all the kids because he was trying to show off like, haha, I got you. I'm going to sleep in class. And when I said, no, you should, that made people go, okay, if you're okay with that, can I learn how to kick flip? Like, yes. And again, like they all started something like, okay, if school didn't get in my way, or if I just had some time to learn something, what is the something I would learn, which directly aligns to what we're supposed to be doing. Nick, when you ask teachers, what is the purpose of school? They will say, oh, to prepare kids for the future. Awesome. What is needed for the future? And it sure as hell isn't looking things up and memorizing them short term. I have Google for that. The future demands that you are acquiring skills. Matter of fact, it's my son's generation that they're not going to, A, they're, they're not going to force their kids to go to college. But I don't even know, like, people are going to be certification and skills oriented. I've got a degree means a little, but not a lot. Especially if you're in the tech industry. Oh, I went to college. What can you do? Sure. And so little by little, they were getting out of that complacency, I'm going to make Mr. Wetrick happy to get an A, to, I've always wanted to do this. Great. This is your time. It, is the mo- it was the most selfish class in the world. And I wanted it that way. I wanted them to know that this was their hour and a half. Well, eventually I turned it into hour and a half. This was like a 20 minute on a Friday experiment. And then I ended up asking for my own class. We called it innovation and open source learning. 
which we did is that the first six to seven weeks, we taught you how to think innovatively. We taught you how to backward design things, how to use tools, maybe like a Trello or something like this. Why you should treat yourself like a professional on LinkedIn, why you should be on LinkedIn at age 16. And then after that, they started to identify what they wanted to work on. And then the open source learning part is if a student says, I want to learn how to design a basic game and put it on the app store. I don't know how to do that, Nick. Yeah, me neither. But we open source that. <laughs> so as the teacher, I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing. So we took to LinkedIn. We took sometimes took to Twitter and was like, hey, I've got a student that needs some help. And you know what? There is an arms race for talent out there. So when we had some students that go like, this is what I'm working on, people were going, yes, I will help you, kid. And we started to grow from there. I like this open source learning. And I think I had a professor at one point who all his, all his tests were open book. And, you know, there wasn't going to be enough time during the course of the test, if you, if you didn't know the material, if you didn't study it, to look up all the answers. But he's like, look, life is open book. And I really like that. That's something that has stuck with me. It's like, okay, this is very much true. You can look up anything that you need to do. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Did you put any other rules in place for these early brainstorming sessions to say, what do I want to work on? And the reason I ask is, I think, you know, myself included and side hustlers more generally will say like, okay, I know that I want to have a business or they kind of start with the end in mind. Like I know that I want to be able to provide for my family and make extra money. And, you know, everybody has their own reasons for that. But then the universe of possibilities is so broad. It's so wide where it's like, how do I narrow that down to what I can do, what I'm interested in? Wow. I hope that I just don't 
go off the rails and ramble too much because I get really excited about this. There's two things here. Number one, there is something simple that, by the way, I'm borrowing this from Tina Selig at Stanford. She's one of my favorite persons ever. She is at the, uh, not only the D school, but also the technology ventures program. And she has a little thing called collect and connect. And basically collect and connect is you have a theme or you have a genre and you collect as many ideas as you can. This is my own twist. I usually double it. And then you connect two of the problems to one solution. So for example, I was, this is one of my favorite examples. One day, well, actually it was the first day of class for my second year of teaching this innovation class. I used to have this discussion on what are you inspired by? What are you passionate about? Turns out that high school kids do not like to talk about what they're passionate about, but they'd rather tell you what bothers them or makes them mad. <laughs> so complaining is always more cool to talk about. So I said, okay, let's do a collect and connect session. I said, let's whiteboard everything you don't like about high school on the board. And they immediately went into this torrent of things that are obvious. When am I going to use this? This is boring. The B hallway next to the gym smells. Our lunch isn't good. Our lunch is too fast. Blah, blah, blah. Really basic things. They had about 35 things up on the board. And I numbered all of them and I drew a line and I said, okay, double it. Here's why I say double it. When you say double it, they're going to say things that are beyond the obvious and they have an excuse. They can blame me. They're like, look, this is going to sound dumb, but you said for us to get to 70. So this. Now you're getting beyond the obvious, and I've given you the intellectual freedom to take a risk, which at high school and at school in general, you're not allowed to do. You're laughed at. That's dumb. Or that may turn out to be an F. I wanted to say de-risk things. So all of a sudden, the student raises his hand. Again, people were just complaining about obvious things. One student raises his hand and goes, hey, look, my mom's the, the teacher, mostly Down syndrome kids. They have their own wing. We don't know who they are. We never see them. I think that sucks. And immediately the tone of the class, like, oh man, that's, wow. Yeah, I feel bad. That, that was good. I was just complaining about the school lunch. And so all of a sudden, like, now they're saying, okay, this also seems weird, but, and so one kid goes, this seems weird, but I just wish we had coffee around here. I get tired around 1 p.m. And then another kid goes, this sounds weird, but I don't like how we have, and I'm not dogging on them, but like, there's always either a Pepsi or a Coke machine that serves soda and they make money. And this kid didn't like capitalism, even though he talked from his iPhone. But he was like, you know, I, I don't like how we have branded things in here. I'm like, okay. So now we have, we have 70 things on the board. And I was like, okay, give me two problems and give me one solution for both. And so sometimes I'd have fun and I'd either like, give me two numbers. All right, number two and number 68. Okay, lunch period is too short. And when am I going to use this in real life? Okay, we could start coming up with different menu items that might be practical if somebody wanted to start a restaurant. Okay, not a bad idea. Or the school lunch sucks and there's not enough time. Okay, I, by the way, that one came up and I didn't know what a walking taco was. A walking taco is A, awful, uh, but it's like a bag of Fritos, a glob of meat, and a glob of cheese, and you walk around. I've never heard of this. Okay. And you're like, problem solved. <laughs> it's a better school lunch. And we can walk around. Like, if, if we're running late, we just take the walking taco. The, all of a sudden, this, the idea is like getting kind of creative. And then, once again, the kid says, oh, I've got one. He says, to the student that said that he would like a cup of coffee, and he gets drowsy in the afternoon, what if my mom's class could make the coffee? He says, they, they take field trips all the time to the mall to kind of get them socially acclimated and, and to interact more. He's like, we could interact in the cafeteria. They could sell coffee and get sleepy here as caffeine. And then kid that didn't like corporations, he's like, we should do that, but we should, we should like partner up with people that aren't Starbucks because they're a big corporation. 
I'm like, okay. He's like, well, and then the, he mentioned there was a local small independent coffee shop there in town. And the, here's where we made our breakthrough, Nick. They all looked at me and they nodded their head of what kind of good boys and good girls they came up with this idea. And I stared at them. And I said, it is a good idea. And then there was awkward silence. And finally they go, do you think we should like go do, like, why are you not talking? What I said, it is a good idea. So I should just start this idea. And I sat there and I blinked. And they're like, like now? I went, uh-huh. He goes, so you're saying I could just walk to my mom's class right now and ask her if this is a good idea. I went, uh-huh. And the other kid was like, and I can help him because this is partly my idea. I went, uh-huh. Do we need a hall pass? And I said, just go. That was the gigantic leap from I've got an idea that is good for school that you are going to tell me I'm a good boy, that I have a good idea to go do it, man. And that will always remember that day because that was that's when we made the leap. This has nothing to do with school and it has everything to do with you and solving problems in a real way, not on an essay. And I think this applies for grownups too. Like we're so conditioned to wait for permission from somebody to say, okay, I'm going to stick my neck out and go for it. I'm going to try this. I like this collect and connect exercise as well. And it's interesting because, well, I've heard it both ways. Yeah, start with what you're interested in, start with what you're passionate about, but perhaps easier to start with what sucks, you know, start making note of everything that bothers you over the course of the day, over the course of the week, and start to connect the dots here. Doing it. Yeah. And isn't it amazing that we're having this discussion like, that maybe one of the keys to learning is doing it. <laughs> so, by the way, every person that's been through a Montessori school is now going, see, I told you so. Experiential learning. And quite frankly, I mean, right now we're at a crisis point in this country that we keep getting emails and updates and Twitters on what's wrong. The world demands some answers. What is your answer? Build that team. How can you make the world a better place through your own ideas, innovation, entrepreneurship. And that's really what it's all about. And that's kind of the the exciting piece here. Anything else you found effective on the initial brainstorming phase before setting everybody loose? <laughs> yeah, boy, I'm just given. We had a thing called the Roth IRA and we were very deliberate. Actually, my students and I came up with this kind of an acronym. We had to twist it a little bit to keep it up. Roth IRA. But, which, by the way, if you're a financial person, yes, I love the Roth IRA, the non-traditional IRA. But for ours, this was a realization, open discussion, tussle, heterogeneous grouping, ideation, then iteration, reflect and adjust. So realization, you're mowing the grass, you're taking a shower, you are listening to the news and you're like, oh, I have an idea. You taking that idea to the class and having an open discussion about it is wonderful because there's actually a, an episode of Seinfeld where in his sleep and in his dreams, he had this awesome dream. And then when he eventually remembered it and he was talking out loud, it was like, it was a terrible joke. Same thing here. You may have a realization when you go to an open discussion that could lead to a T, which is a tussle, which means you're like, somebody's going to say, that's a dumb idea. And I encourage that. Like, I didn't want them to be snarky or mean, but they're like, okay, I've got this incredible idea. And you're like, no, it's not that good. And here's why. In a day and age where we're talking about our feelings and making sure we're all comfortable, I wanted you to be feel uncomfortable that your glorious idea just got shot down, and that is gold. Feedback is a gift. What? So let's let's pause there. Like, what happens? Because it's very easy, I imagine, for fragile brains, young and old, to get discouraged by that and say, "Well, I was never meant to do this, anyways." 
Right. Well, so that's the whole point of having this class day in and day out. It becomes a culture. So when they did hear, this is a bad idea, one of three things happened, Nick. Number one, you defended it and lost. The person said it's a bad idea. You guys start tussling. It's a back and forth. Other kids chime in and you're like, yeah, okay. This is a horrible idea. Okay. You just saved yourself time. Congratulations. And when you start viewing it as that, you see feedback as a gift. Number two, you argued about it and won. But in that argument process, you probably defended it well. And you started having some realizations just by arguing it. I miss arguing with my mom. My mom and I used to argue all the time in a good way, and I would get smarter because of it. Same thing here. Or number three, you argued it and you both kind of won. And oftentimes, the two students that are really hashing it out, actually, which is H, heterogeneous grouping. A lot of times, a kid that understands universal, like UI, UX kind of thing, they know that your interface or the just how it feels or, or the layout is ugly and clunky, but you're working with a kid that knows how to operate it, be a group. Make a team. Don't choose your team as your buddies, because we'd always incentivize being a team. So I didn't like... Well, should say I didn't like, I didn't encourage solo projects. I encouraged group projects of, of three people at maximum. Okay. And hopefully with different skill sets. Absolutely. And that was the whole point. So that kid that wanted to argue with you, she was doing you a favor or he was doing you a favor because they saw things differently. Added benefit. Which again, lends that culture. And so then there is the ideate, reflect, and adjust, and then iterate, reflect, and adjust. So we called the Roth, the New Year's resolution. We called the IRA February. So you talked about this idea, you had this realization, you talked about it, you even formed a group to help launch it. Ideation is that is that prototype number one. After you have it out, every two weeks we would have a reflection. And in that reflection, you would tell me what went right, what went wrong, and then what went wrong, you were going to adjust it, which led to a new realization, which you should have a new open discussion, which means that arguing should ensue which means that you might even change your group around a little bit or roles. And now you're in iteration. The I now stands for iteration. So version two, three, four, or trial and error. And this was this process worked so wonderfully because we showed that there is no end date. Or, or in some cases, like, I don't plan on having this done until April. You're like, great, backward design. What should you be working on? Set a goal for these two weeks. Well, I need to learn how to do X, Y, and Z. And if there and there were two week reflection, I was like, I did X and Y, but there was no way I got to Z. And I wouldn't give them a bad grade. I'd say, why didn't you get it done? Well, I set too hard of a goal. Great. Yeah, there's a line in the beginning of the Pure Genius book that basically equated failures, not as failures, but as just numerous prototypes, which I thought was really cool. We're iterating as we go. A, thank you for quoting my book. But no, that's absolutely the truth. I mean, it's nobody learns how to walk on their first step. And no company has ever launched a product on their first try. So I think that's the important part here. And once we get out, and by the way, that is every opposite thing that you've learned in school. Please don't fail. Whatever you do, don't fail. Which in reality means don't try to do anything too hard. Yeah, there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen from going to school, studying, taking the test, getting an A, and then the real world, which is which is much more forgiving to failure in, in a lot of meaningful ways. It's like none of this stuff is life-threatening. If you stick your flag in the sand and say, okay, I'm going to be a freelancer, I'm going to build this thing. Like Everybody is so worried with their own stuff. They don't care if it doesn't work. Like You'd be on to the next thing next month. 
it's going to be fine. You're still going to have, especially with a side hustle, hopefully you still got a roof over your head. Like it wasn't a life-threatening bet that, that you had to make to test something out. There is some unlearning, especially from the school world where it's like, yes, you must get an A. Yeah, I, I think again, this is where I sometimes got myself in trouble because I'm a 21-year public educator. And there's a lot about school I still like. But there has to be time in the school day for things like this. There has to be time in the school day where we're answering the question, how is what we're doing currently preparing them for the future? But truly successful people help solve small problems for others. I mean, Amazon helps solve problems. Your Korean barbecued food truck solves a problem, if you're looking at it that way. Dean Maxwell has a book called Start From Zero, and he framed it that way. Customer pain solution offer, right? Who does it help? What are they struggling with? How are you going to solve that? And the offer, like, what's it going to cost? Korean barbecue sandwich, bulgogi fries, whatever it's going to be. Okay, here it is, $6.99. We'll swipe your card. So what comes after this? So kids are going through this Roth IRA process. They're ideationing, they're iterating, they're reflecting, they're making adjustments along the way. And like you said, there's no real end game. The end game is just learning these skills. And hopefully it's something that lasts, that sticks with you much longer than the semester. But curious, what, what comes next? Well, again, it, now is the, is this really something that's for school or is this something for you? And without a doubt, we had some kids go, this was cool. And that's awesome. Just being a part of this culture, being a part of this learning environment was good enough. But there were some that are like, no, seriously, I'm onto something. And I want to see if I can grow and scale this. And that's when the irony was, is that this, this was a class called innovation. And then a lot of people assumed that I taught entrepreneurship. Again, I'm now borrowing from Tina Selig, who's among my favorite persons. But she's like, there's four quadrants here. There's imagination, there's creativity, there's innovation, there's entrepreneurship. So imagination is you have an idea in your head. Creativity is that you get it out of your head and onto paper. Innovation is you're now doing something that's not been done before or, or in a unique way. And if it's innovative and people want it, you might as well make it entrepreneurial. And so that was our other thing that, hey, these, this thing you've been working on for a while, do you want to take it to market? And we started making introductions. Is this fundable? Do you want it to be fundable? Also understanding the difference between bootstrapping and trying to look for investment, which then kind of led organically to why we were asked to help out with Innovate Within. We were doing this. But here's the really the unique thing I really want to bring up though, Nick, is that it didn't start like it was never an entrepreneurship class until it became one. The focus was on solving problems and being innovative. If by chance the market demanded it or you thought you were you could sell this solution to others, you might as well. Because when you start off by saying, okay, let's let's think of a business idea. Your mind, in my humble opinion, your mindset is on more on profitability. When you say solve some small problems or solve any problem, it's different. It's different from the start. Okay, I'm going to come up with a widget that's going to solve X. Or, all right, scan your world. What resonates with you? What do you think needs value? We had a saying, opportunities are everywhere. They get, after a while, the kids got tired of me saying that. But like, I will ride my bike and I will see things and I'm like, I could do that. I could help with that. Ooh, you know what they should do with this? And it actually turns into, there are so many opportunities out there. In my humble opinion, once you have that mindset, it is harder to pick one thing and not just try to solve everything. That's an interesting reframe. There's so many people, and you, you probably look at like the Google Analytics search data to back this up. So many people are looking for that 
killer business idea never before seen. Even what can I do? What business can I do? Versus looking around for what problems can I solve? And then being open to, well, maybe there's a business on the other side of that problem. That's an interesting one. Any examples of students that come to mind that you know, went through these exercises, found an interesting problem to solve, but maybe it seemed too big for liftoff. Like, I don't know, I've had, I've had these big light bulb entrepreneurial ideas and they end up not getting off the ground because I don't know the next step. Boy, you really touched on something that it can set yourself up. Well, is it better to have loved and lost than never loved at all? (laughs) Once you tell kids they can make a difference, Then if they immediately don't make a difference, they're like, okay, what am I doing wrong? You're not. It's part of the process. And I think that was also part of the culture and getting them to know that culture is that Rome wasn't built in the day kind of thing. So I think that getting them to that mindset was maybe the biggest goal. Matter of fact, Simon Sinek, who is among my favorite human beings ever, is like, that's your just cause. You're probably never going to accomplish it 100%, but you're going to try. As a teacher, as a parent, What do you tell that kid who has discovered this problem and maybe even has the fledgling ideas of how they're going to solve it, but how do you help them, especially if it's a big problem, kind of reverse engineer that back? Or what guidance do you give them, if any, to say, okay, here's what I would do as the first step? Yeah. In some cases, I don't give them the advice. I open source learn that because some of the things, like some of the processes they were working on, I'm like, I don't know. That's a good idea. Right. How to build an app. I don't know, look it up or study the code. Yeah. But essentially what we would become then is a project manager. Again, I'm going to quote Simon Sinek. He's like, a CEO isn't responsible for the results of a department. He's responsible for the people that are responsible for the results. So as their teacher, I'm like, it's not my job to learn how to build this game, but it is my job for you to set goals and metrics and meet people and learn from them. If you want to launch it, if you want to set dates, if you want to set metrics, I will help you hold yourself accountable and I will hold you accountable with a grade, a grade of which you (laughs) self-assess. Sure. Okay. What did you learn here? Right. I'm going over a lot of our processes. I hope you don't mind, but I fell in love with, and I didn't really do it in my class. I came up with this right as I was leaving, but I now how I do this with and suggest it to our our kids in the Innovate Within contest is what is a three, two, one, at least weekly, if not monthly video. A three, two, one video is I get out my phone. And I record myself and I, I go over the three successes I had this last two weeks. Three things that I really hit and I'm really proud of. Then I have two regrets or two things that I need to adjust. And I'm like, if I'm honest with myself, I didn't do X, Y, and Z or actually X and Y. And then I have one piece of advice for my future self. And sometimes that piece of advice is for next week. Remember to do this. Or sometimes it's like next year or I'll, I'm going to be watching this in five years. Never forget this moment when I learned this. I'm age 48. If I would have done this when I was 19, I'd give you thousands of dollars to watch it. When you're archiving your learning journey, and by the way, just when you can upload it to YouTube, keep it as unlisted. It's free video storage. And it is the story of your life. It is the story of your learning journey. So every now and then I've been doing this now for a while, I will see a video from last year and go, wow, was I naive. Wow, did I know nothing about fundraising. Wow, did I? And sometimes just like, Holy cow, look how far I've come. Boy, I crushed it. And then every now and then, like that one piece of advice you'd give yourself, you're like, oh man, what a great life lesson. And I can have that and memorialize it. Heck, I can, my grandkids, of which I have none yet, take your time on those kids. 
yeah, they can watch that. You know, <laughs> it was like, I think it's just a cool thing to have. And, and that's also a part of that journey. That's also how I'd hold them accountable is that because in that three, two, one video, they'd send it to me again. No one has to watch it. Although I would encourage like for you to make it public just so everybody else, it's like discovering the band before they're cool. And so if you're like, Hey, I'm really trying to like, this is my new update on the prototype for the arthritis glove. And this last three weeks, we made great breakthroughs and blank, blank, and blank. And then people are excited about what you have. You'll build an audience. Two things we didn't hit. One piece of advice I'd give myself, that's gold. So yeah, for your listeners out there, like I'm seriously, it'll change you. A little bit behind the scenes action to see how the sausage is getting made. I think Nathan Berry from ConvertKit calls it working in public. And is a good example of this three, two, one video, three successes, two regrets, one piece of advice for your future self. I've done something similar, just kind of in a journal form, or even at the end of the day, I say like, what did I get done today? And then kind of on a you know, four week basis, often, okay, where did we get, where did, how are we better off today than we were four weeks ago? Hopefully, you know, where, where do you want to go from here? Don, I'm curious, my kids are two and four. If there are any parents listening with younger kids, what would you do or what advice would you have for me or for parents in those shoes to say, I would like to raise kids who are less like me or less like how I was in school very much, you know, a good student, academic order taker. And that's fine as that's part of the skill set, but to also be this creative, innovative thinker, because I see, especially with our oldest, he's down there building stuff with Legos and these magnet blocks, like all day long, never gets bored. How do we make sure that doesn't go away? Or how do we make sure to apply that to, you know, a broader problem? Mm, first of all, congratulations. You're way, way ahead in the sense that you're doing the first thing is that they're producing, not just consuming. There's a lot of kids who would prefer watching other people create Legos online. I think that that's okay for a little bit. Like my son will watch how to build things on Minecraft, but then go do it. Producers are greater than just consumers. That's number one. Allow your students to produce, whether that is a video, whether that is a podcast. And yes, if you produce a podcast at age six, that's freaking cool. Maybe only five people listen to it. doesn't matter. You're in the art of production. You've brought something to the world, not just react to it. Number two, your curiosities and your passions are enhanced. Remember listening to John Medina. He has some great books out there on his own on basically how to raise children. Through a neuroscience standpoint, I think it's called Brain Rules and Brain Rules for Baby. But he's talking about him as a child. If he had an interest, his mom went overboard. Mom, like every other kid, I love dinosaurs. She bought anything or could garage sale and get anything dinosaur. And passion begets passion. Like once you're excited about something, you enjoy the process of learning. And yes, my oldest daughter went from liking dinosaurs to liking horses to liking. <laughs> but that's okay. Those things come and go. It's the learning process and it's that desire to want to know more that's important. And then third, allow them to fail and go, all right, what did we learn? Do not cushion the blow. Do not give them the participation trophy. Or if they do, like, great, but what did you really take away from this? So when your kid goes, hey, look, dad, look what I built. Okay. I mean, you don't have to be mean about it, but you're like, okay, it's not bad. What, what needs to be improved? Resist the temptation of saying, oh, honey, it's perfect. No, it's, give honest feedback. Allow them to know that just because done doesn't mean great, that it's part of a, a bigger process. Those three things just really resonate with me at any age. Well, I guess past three or four. That's helpful. <laughs> Work on some of this stuff. 
Very cool, Don. Uh, what is next for you? You got the foundation going on. You got the podcast going on. Yeah, started up. We we run Indiana's pitch competition, which is called Innovate Within. For right now, it's a landing page because we're overhauling everything. But innovatewithin.org. Believe it or not, it's it's the biggest payout in the country for a pitch competition, a high school pitch competition. It's twenty thousand dollars plus an all expense trip to another big city. But we want to show our kids that you can be relevant in New York City or San Francisco and still do it from your hometown. It's $10,000 in seed funding and it's $10,000 in college funding per kid, not split. So if it's a team of three, we actually incentivize it because now if you have a startup with three people, it's $30,000 of seed funding. Yeah, it's pretty substantial. And then what we're probably most proud of is that it's also once your name is a top 10 finalist because we have different, we have 10 regions, actually nine regions plus one wildcard. Those 10 teams work for 12 to 14 weeks on actually doing it. So instead of you being a good performance artist pitcher that you made a good emotional plea, we take a look and say, okay, how are we going to do this? How is it feasible? Do you need support funding? Just like the class, we open source learn. So we would go out and Sometimes the kids would ask us to make introductions. Sometimes they'd feel bold enough to do it for themselves. This one girl really wanted to connect with this guy, uh, Forrest Galante, has his own show on Discovery Channel or Animal Planet, I forget which. And she got to learn from him. And she you know, set up some Zoom calls and bounced a few ideas off of because she was an engineer but wanted to work on, what was it called, predator mitigation products and services and that kind of thing. So we're, we're really proud of Innovate Within. It's just it's more than just a pitch competition. It's a companion course. It's just all sorts of things and growing and scaling that. And we're trying to get more and more students to, to participate in that. And again, our, our biggest mission is getting students to identify problems and say, okay, what would my solution be? And then possibly provide funding for it. Well, we're excited to see where you go with it. Don, once again, thank you for joining me. Innovatewithin.org, startedupfoundation.org. And of course, check out the book, Pure Genius, wherever you get your books these days. Don, let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Start serving your smallest target market. Narrow it down. If you found a problem, the problem must have a solution for someone. What is that persona and what is the smallest persona out there? So even if you're a freshman in high school and you can't start or you feel like you can't start much. You're like, I'm going to start a lawn mowing business. Narrow that down even further. I want to find people that are people over 70 who don't want to physically exert themselves anymore. Start with the smallest target market you can and provide as much value and let them know that you're just serving their genre, their persona, so to speak. That way you don't have to wait around forever. You can start soon and you can always grow and expand from there. I like that one. Start serving your smallest target market. Don, thanks so much, and we'll catch up with you soon. Hopefully, you enjoyed this call with Don as much as I did, because I believe this is a really important topic for both kids and grown-ups. Let me know what you thought. You can tweet us up at nloper, at Don Wetrick, or leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash kids. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.